Hello, welcome to the Freedom From Air podcast. I have another amazing guest on. I've been very lucky with my guest thus far. He is Kevin Palmieri. He is one of the founders and host of the Next Level University podcast. With over 1,200 episodes, Kevin and Alan share tips and strategies to get to the next level in love, life, health, and wealth. You can find the podcast at their website, nextleveluniverse.com. They also offer a free course on their website, Next Level 5 to Thrive. Kevin is here to share his experience of failure and success. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing very well, my friend. Mostly failure. I, I think if we're talking anything today, it's going to be bouts of failure with peaks of success, I guess. But I'm excited to chat. I appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to see where we go. Oh, yes. It's definitely a pleasure to have you on, and I think my audience will learn a lot. I know with dealing with the behavioral health, there's always ups and downs, and I know reading your bio, you suffered from depression, mm -hmm. and you've talked a lot about the power of thought. We definitely uh, discuss a lot of that so much power in, in the way we think. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, we, there's a lot of outside influences, of course, but we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else. So the language that we have with ourselves is going to dictate a lot of what we do, what we don't do, the actions we take, the actions we don't take, the limiting beliefs that live, the limiting beliefs that die. So it, it's very, yeah, we have a lot of conversations, but the ones we have most are the ones that we have with ourselves, which I don't know if, People really think of that consciously. You're always having a conversation with yourself, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, it's, it's the whole positive self-talk. It's mm -hmm. that self-talk. But unfortunately, we seem to be wired to the negative. Yeah. We always go to the negative. Uh, the old saying, we're our worst enemy. Yeah, it has a lot to do with how we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now more than ever, and this is like a newer thought. I won't say a newer thought, but a newer thought that we've been practicing and doing episodes on and discussing and trying to connect to. The difference between self-worth and self-belief. So self-belief is something that a lot of people, definitely me, that was my big struggle. I do not believe I can replicate an outcome. So my analogy, my example for this is always on a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe in your own unique capability when it comes to building a castle on the ocean, right? This is your dream. This is your goal. This is your fantasy. This is what you want out of life. And I had somebody who said to me recently, they said, oh, 10 out of 10. I know I can do that. I was like, okay. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you feel like you deserve to move in? How much do you feel like you're belonging of such a nice environment? And he said, oh, oh no. He's like two out of 10. And I said, brother, this isn't a self-belief issue. This is a self-worth issue. And I think a lot of the, the self-talk, if you think about it, there's a big difference between saying, I could never do that because I don't think I'm capable, and I could never do that because I don't think I'm deserving. And those are just two completely different thought processes. So as I started to believe in myself more, I started to realize, oh, this is as much of a belief problem as it is. It's also a self-worth problem. If I don't think I deserve something, I'm never going to do the things necessary to get it. And if I somehow do miraculously get it, I will find a way to quickly self-sabotage myself because my identity is I don't deserve this. And if you don't identify with something, you're not going to hang on to it for a long period of time. So that's been very, very 
interesting to learn about over the past couple of years. Yeah, you're definitely right. A lot of us, even when we're successful, we don't feel that we deserve it and we'll self-sabotage. I've definitely run across the self-sabotage quite a bit working with incarcerated individuals. I've definitely seen them make changes and everything, but they still never believe that they deserve a quote unquote normal life. And then they just kind of go right back into um, the behaviors that ultimately ends them up back in jail. But it's that mindset that they don't deserve. And it's really hard to get people to love themselves and really believe in themselves. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I mean, you, well, one of the things I've talked about a lot is well, believe it or not, our audience is primarily female. So I'm a tattooed bodybuilder who loves mixed martial arts and all combat sports. And it's like, you might not think you'd attract a, a female demographic. But one of the things we've seen is there's kind of a cycle. Somebody will have a family that undervalues you, undervalues them, underpours into them and convinces them that they're not worthy. They'll attract somebody into their life who understands that they have low self-worth and they take advantage of that. And that becomes the cycle that can play out for years and years and years. And eventually somebody comes in and says, hey, 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 it's not the problem. Like the problem is not that you're attracting negative people. The problem is that your self-worth is not allowing you to filter out negative people. If for you, it doesn't, it doesn't seem negative. It just seems normal. And that filter, I think that self-worth is such a, a filter for you know, maybe positive behaviors versus negative or expectations, I think is probably the better word. Oh yeah. Somebody that's looking to victimize somebody, they can smell it a mile away. Somebody has low self-esteem and they will take advantage of it time and time again. And unfortunately, like you said, it becomes normal to them. They don't know any different. And yeah. then when people point that out, it's very foreign to them. Yeah. But it has to happen at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, it usually takes a while. Well, it took me, what, 30, I'm 34 or 33. I don't know how, it depends on what day you ask me. I might say 32, I might say 34. But I never knew any of this. I thought, I just thought, oh, I don't believe in myself enough. That was it. And then it was, why, can't I, why do I struggle to set boundaries? What is that about? That's a self-worth issue, most likely. That, that, that's attached to self-worth. You know, why... I have a negative relationship with money. Like, where does that come from? Okay, that's past trauma. I used to think that the way I thought was based on the way I thought yesterday and the day before and last week. And then I started to understand, for me, most of it, most of it is just years and years and years and decades old. It's just my operating system is just the old operating system that was downloaded into me when I was a teenager. Or, you know, I grew up without a dad. So I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. No. Does that play into my struggles with setting boundaries? Probably. Does that play into my, my self-worth issues? Probably. But once it starts to make sense, I think then it becomes more, at least more constructive. At least you have a place to look and say, oh, maybe I can't connect all the dots looking forward yet, but at least I can connect some of the dots looking back. And I think it just gives you a little bit of certainty and a little bit of hope. Well, we don't think about a lot of the, the past trauma and how it impacts our lives when we're grown because mm. we all we all have trauma there's no there's no person walking on the planet that does not have some form of trauma but you, typically the people that are successful are, are the ones who realize hey i've 
got trauma and then I'm going to try to work on that. I love the analogy of a computer. When we're born, we're a blank slate and we're programmed. And guess what? We got viruses in the program. That's that, yeah. all that trauma. And if we don't get in there and get rid of those viruses, then the computer's not going to run correctly. Yeah. We deal a lot with people, anger management, things of that nature. And one of the big misconceptions is that they feel that they're born angry, mm. that they're, it's inherited. I was like, well, your programmer did not know how to manage anger. Then they programmed that into you. Now you think that's normal. Yeah. So we got to try to try to change that programming. Yeah. Normal is such a weird, we, we interviewed a lot of therapists and psychotherapists and psychologists. And one of my favorite questions was to ask was what's normal? Like what is normal? Because there is no such thing. You're, I don't know. Normal, I guess. Like what's the average? I don't know. I have no idea. It's, it's kind of based on what your experience is in a way. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell the guys all the time. I'm like, we're all crazy. <laughs> I was like, I said, it's because what is normal? Mm -hmm. I was like, if you take the DSM-5 and you crack it open, everybody in this room could be diagnosed with something. Mm -hmm. It's like, because what's normal? Who's to say? Like, we're all crazy. I think very interesting is as you get older and you learn about yourself and you learn about everything, not just yourself, but when you learn about yourself, it kind of highlights or illuminates things that you haven't seen. I used to think everybody had it figured out. I used to think all my teachers knew everything, and I used to think doctors knew everything, and lawyers knew everything. I'm not saying they didn't know a lot. They definitely knew a lot more than I did at the time. But now it's almost like, oh, interesting. Okay. They maybe weren't as focused on learning holistically, like life, love, health, wealth, relationships, emotional intelligence. Maybe they were just really good at one thing. Interesting. That has also really highlighted a lot of stuff over the last few years in terms of like why people respond in the ways they respond. Because they, most people are responding in the way they respond, not the way they, they want to respond. They just don't know how to get to the way they want to respond yet, right? It's the old, the old adage of most people don't make $50,000 a year because they want to make $50,000 a year. They make $50,000 a year because they, they don't know how to make $150,000 a year yet, right? It's just that the gap between your current competence and your desired competence. Yeah, that's interesting. They talk about lawyers and doctors, and I've met nice doctors, and I've met not-so-nice doctors <laughs> that just, no doubt that they're brilliant, that they're smart, but not, not the best uh, bedside manner, yeah. people skills, and... I'm guessing probably because all their focus was on learning the medicine and stuff and relationships kind of go out the window as far as being able to interact and, and communicate mm -hmm. effectively. Yeah. That emotional intelligence. I'm a huge fan of, of emotional intelligence. I think we all could benefit from a little bit more emotional intelligence, being able to control our own emotions and read other people's emotions. And I think it's a very valuable thing that a lot of people overlooked. Yeah. Your IQ might be through the roof, but if you don't have emotional intelligence, then you're probably not going to be successful. Yeah. Well, uh, especially in relationships, right? I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there who are really good at success, quote unquote, but really bad at relationships. It really is that. How do you become the most well-rounded version of yourself? I was thinking of something the other day. It was weird, but 
I used to really look up to certain actors. Because it was like, this person's a really good actor. Awesome. Every time they're in a movie, I want to see it because I am moved. But then when you start to hear stuff behind the scenes, like, you know, this 55-year-old person's always dating somebody who's 20. Then another, again, you do you. Like, you know, whatever. But then you start to question, like, the emotional intelligence of that person can't be super high because they're not going to be challenged in that relationship. And what is... What is actually going on behind the scenes? I'm in that phase now of trying to figure out, I know what we can see. We can see a lot. There's a lot of stuff that we can see. But what is behind the scenes really going on that always makes me very curious? Like Al Pacino, is he yep. in his 80s? And he's having yep. another uh, child. So he's at least with somebody that's half his age. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And to me, I'm always like, what do you talk about? You know, I, I couldn't imagine dating somebody 10 years younger than me. Right. I'm like, what do we want to have in common? Right. <laughs> right. Probably not, probably not a lot. It makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder, are we looking up to the people who are really good at acting the way we want to be? Because when you see movies with these actors, it's like, they seem super, and I'm not saying they're not intelligent. This is just a, just an exploration, an exploration of conversation. It's just, it's just interesting. A lot of the people we look up to, we look up to because they're really good at something that isn't actually life. They're good at putting a basketball through a hoop or singing into a microphone. And those, that's not real life. Those are like skills and that's talent and that's awesome. But that's not a representation of starting a family or dealing with your anger. It's just, that's not real. None of that is real. So I'm in that weird... I don't know. I, the, the first podcast I ever started was called Hyperconscious. I, I want to be aware, acutely aware of everything. So that is why I talk about the weird things that I talk about often. I think we all do that from time to time. But yeah, it's interesting when you look at people like that. We think, hey, they're, they're awesome at their job. They're making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But you look at how many overdose or in rehab. And that's what I tried to tell our clients is that you could have all the money in the world and be miserable. There's many, many, many examples of that. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is like Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm -hmm. amazing actor, amazing at his job, but he ended up uh, overdosing and dying. He wasn't using drugs because he was happy. That's the total opposite. And it's interesting to talk about how we get so connected with our jobs. When you introduce somebody or it's always the first thing they go to is, hey, I'm a fill in the blank. And I'm more of like, who are you? I don't want to know your job is. Yeah. I'm just mm. like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Who are you? That's what I want to know, not mm. what you do for a living. Yeah. Well, most people, what they do is who they think are. Somebody asked me the other day, like, if I took away the podcast and everything, what would you do? Like, I understand. I know what you're trying to get at here. I would go start another podcast because this is who I want to be. I want to be in front of the microphone. I want to do this. I love this. That doesn't mean I would be lost without this. I just don't know what I would do with my time. I'd have a lot of extra time that I'd want to fill, and I'd probably just want to fill it the same way. But it, it is. It is very interesting. Most people just lead with accolades because the accolades are the things that influence people more, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately. Now, Eventually, maybe you connect with somebody, you can have a real authentic, deep conversation, and then you connect on that. But I think that's more rare now than 
maybe not ever. I don't know. I sound like an old man now. I think I'm getting old. That's what that's what's happening. <laughs> oh no, you're, you're not old yet. Give give it a few more years. <laughs> you see, you're 33, 34. That's probably about the time I started getting my head out of my ass. I'm a firm believer. We actually look at how our brain develops, and unfortunately, we as men, it takes. Everybody says 25. Well, for men, it takes a little bit longer. They're saying between 25 and, and, and 30. And I don't think you should make any major decisions till you hit 30. Because if you look at the way you think at 30 versus 20 or 25, I, I look back on, on my 20s and I'm like, what in the world Same. was I thinking? Same. I wasn't. I did the military thing and had a ball and just did a lot of s stupid stuff in my 20s. But mm. once, once I hit 30, I was... I was focused on getting back into college, finishing my degree. I went from early 20s being put on probation to dean's list at 30 because I was actually focused. I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm not getting any younger. All my friends are getting married, having kids, got careers, and here I am acting like I'm 20. Mm. Still doing the same stuff. Was there like a thing that formed the necessity to make you... For for your phrasing, pull your head out of your ass. Not not your phrasing, not mine. <laughs> I was so angry, and because I was trying to compare myself to other people, mm -hmm. it was like, well, here I am. I'm not making that much money. Hey, look at what they've got. You know, I should have that, or I must have that. You know, those absolutes, and then I would just get really, really down on myself and just be like, oh, well, I'm just kind of stuck. And finally I was like, well, you can sit here and complain about it all you want to. That's not going to change a thing. And then I had to kind of like devise a plan. Okay. Well, one, you've, you got three quarters of a degree. How about you go finish that and then see where that leads. And then once I started really changing the way I thought about things and actually putting things into action. Things started to get better. Mm. I fell into a job that I enjoyed. It was just by chance. I was thinking, hey, my life's going to go in this direction when it went totally in this direction. I thought I was going to be catching bad guys, but I ended up working in a jail trying to help the bad guys. Mm. And there's definitely more money to be made in one than the other. Mm. Just, just putting it out there. But yeah, and it was totally by chance. I interned with the sheriff's department and they were like, what department do you want to be put in? And I was like, I don't care. I said, I've got to do some type of internship so I can right. get my degree. And that was all I was focused on. And lo and behold, I ended up in the programs division and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. Our life has its ups and downs and surprises. Of course. Uh, so, of course. But, Same. Does that, I don't know if anybody ever as a kid is like, I want to be a podcaster. When I was, when I was in high school, podcasting wasn't even, a, I'm, I'm sure it was a thing, but it wasn't a thing that anybody knew about, but much like you, somebody interviewed me. I was like, imagine if you could do that for a job, that'd be awesome. And then I had a series of life events that kind of connected at the same time. Very coincidentally, I bought the equipment and that was the beginning of it. But I never, I never knew I was going to be here being interviewed or interviewing other people like that was never the plan but that's the interesting thing is it's like i don't know at the end of the day i know it's not this simple but you got to say yes to the right stuff and no to the wrong stuff and if you do that long enough 
I don't know if saying yes is is the issue for a lot of us. I think saying no is. Like no to the stuff that doesn't serve us. No to the stuff that's not aligned. Um, no to the stuff that we know is too easy. Like, ah, that's not going to help me grow. That's not going to put me outside of my comfort zone. You know, because just because just because you got to where you are today doesn't mean by any means it was easy. Just you're here. But there's a lot of other ways you could have gone that might have seemed easier at the time. It's just, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it's definitely look at that hindsight and you go, well, if I would have. We don't know if things would have been better. They could have been worse. Right. You know, we don't we don't have a DeLorean or Michael J. Fox <laughs> or nothing like that. Yeah, we pass is a place of reference, not residence. Mm-hmm. And run across that a lot. It's really hard to get people to see that, hey, the past is the past. Good or bad, it's done. It's over with. It's carved in stone. It's not going to change. What are you doing right now? The whole being present. What are you doing right now to improve your life? Rather than look at what could have been. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. Do you ever look, do you look back from a place of contrast? Like just looking back and saying, not, not to say I'm, I'm not doing well or I'm doing really well, but just, oh, five years ago, life looked like this. Can you do that without a, like judging it? Yeah. I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. I think if you're spiritual or whatever you believe in, I think whatever your higher power is, puts you where they want you. And... Things just don't happen by chance. It's so interesting. Like you said, look back and contrast things. Just one small little decision can totally change the trajectory of your life. And it's amazing how, well, if I would have did this, then I wouldn't have met this person, or I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have had this job, or I wouldn't have had this experience. It's just amazing how they all... Interconnect and it can just yeah. be one one thought, one yes or one no could totally change the tra- trajectory of your life. I was talking to my my co-host about that. We were uh, we were behind the scenes talking about it, and I said, "If you told me I would be on a business meeting with you in middle school, because we went to the same we went to the same middle school and to the same high school, we grew up in the same town. I played spin the bottle with the popular girls in his basement." in middle school and now here we are 1400 episodes in together we have this business together and it's like i never i never would have guessed this was going to happen and here's the interesting thing the show i was interviewed on that got me into podcasting was his youtube channel he was my first guest so it's it's weird how all of that just kind of came together and now we do an episode every day together and we're business partners and but to your point, if I, if I didn't play spin the bottle with the popular girls and him in middle school, would any of this have happened? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing. So, yeah, it's very it's a very humbling thing to think of. I, I like that perspective because I think it helps ground you that you're one really good decision away from something. You you could be one bad dis- decision away from something as well. It's just very humbling. Yeah, and it's the whole it's the whole acceptance. You got to accept the with the bad yeah to meet your obstacles rather than try to avoid them because we're masters of avoiding pain mm-hmm. well i just don't want to deal with it and just kick the can down the road the way i'm wired i want to fix it i want to, I want to get to it right now 
but but yeah, if a bear's charges through the door, are you going to run? Are you going to try to <laughs> try to get out the door, <laughs> or just run around in circles? But that's a lot of people that I've, I've worked with. That's one of the many reasons they choose to use alcohol and drugs is their pain. They want to avoid that pain. Well, this makes me feel good. So hey, quick fix. They're just caught in that constant, I'm trying to avoid pain. I don't want to deal with life. I'm trying to escape reality. And I think a lot of us, we get caught up in that. I don't want to deal with this right now. It's it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. I don't want, I don't like talking about this. I don't want to have that conversation. Yeah, it could be in a really toxic relationship. And I know it's toxic. I know I don't need to be there, but I'm scared to talk to them. And tell them, hey, this ain't working for me because it's going to be awkward. Yeah. I always think of the, there. there's a meme online where, I don't know the exact context of it, but it's pretty much when you know your bank account is so low that you don't even want to check it because it's going to do more damage than good. I always think about that from the perspective of, yeah, but the problem is you're not getting feedback that could be constructive. To your point, it's like you can run from it, but the amount's going to be the same, whether you look at it or not. At least if you look at it, you have the awareness to maybe say, okay, what can I do with this? But I remember the times where I was the brokest, I looked at the bank account the least. It's like, okay, is that a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know. And now we track our finances every day, regardless of how much money is in there, just because it's the system. If you run the right system, the inputs and the outputs are going to line up eventually. But to your point, I am also a fixer. There's a problem. I want to fix it. I need to fix it. I can, I can see the solution. Let's fix it. One of, the, one of the things that's really helped over the last few years for me and my wife, do you want a strategy or do you want a shoulder? That's a question I ask all of them. Are you looking for a strategy or you're looking for a shoulder? Because I'm going to come in hot with a strategy. But if you need a shoulder, I'm just going to shut my mouth into your point. Sometimes I just say, hmm, yeah, you know what? That really sucks. And then you just... You're there for support. Yeah, she she let me know that real quick in our relationship. <laughs> She's like, I already have a therapist, and you're not them. So just, I I don't want you to to fix anything. I just want you to listen. Yeah, I'm like, okay, it's gonna be hard, but <laughs> it's kind of like the. Have you seen that video with the woman with the nail in the head? Mm-mm. It is hilarious. So she's talking to her husband or boyfriend or whatever, and she's like, "It just, I feel like I have all this pressure and this and this pain, and then it pans out, and she's got a nail in her forehead, mm. and he's sitting there going, maybe it's because you have a nail in your forehead? <laughs> and she's like, well, you, you just don't understand. <laughs> and he's like, you have a nail in your forehead. <laughs> I just need you to listen. And then he's like, oh, it, it must be tough. You know, and when I when I saw that video, it's it's on it's on YouTube. I'll have to look. Uh, but uh, I was like, man, that's you know, I had, I had to show it to my wife just yeah for, yeah yeah just for fun. <clears throat> but, uh, have, but yeah, have you ever, yeah. have you ever watched Parks and Rec? Park and, Parks and Recreation. Have you ever seen that show? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm a I'm a huge fan of that show, not just because it's entertaining, but there's a lot of really good life lessons in that show. I'm I am convinced of it. One of the things was one of the characters was was pregnant and 
their partner kept trying to help them. Like, let me get you ice packs. Let me get you, let me rub your feet. Let me do all these things. And he went to somebody and said, I can't figure it out. Like every time I do that, she's super angry at me. And the, the character said, just sometimes you can say, you know what? That sucks. Yeah, it sucks that you feel the way you're feeling. And when he did that, he was successful in his relationship. And I just think that's a, a really good example of what we're talking about. Sometimes you, your natural tendency might be to solve something, but just because you want to solve it doesn't mean it's ready to be solved yet. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. But I like how you put it. Do you, do you want a shoulder or do you want a fix or a strategy? Yeah, yeah. It works nice yeah. in any relationship. Because my natural thing is like, ah, you want more this, this, or this. Okay, cool. Let's do it. There's a framework and everything. We can talk about it right now. When sometimes it's not, it's not that they don't know how to solve the problem. They just want a shoulder to lean on or they want a sounding board to bounce some ideas off of. You know, that's been a, a very, very humbling thing is just understanding that most people statistically are never going to be the same way you are. And the same, they're never going to be the same way you are in the same ways that you are. It's very humbling. It's a very humbling thing. Yeah. I'm teaching alcohol drug class or uh, domestic violence or anger management. One of my go-tos is I have everybody do the Myers-Briggs personality test and I give them the results and I explain to them there's 16 different personalities and your partner's probably going to be different from you. Right. Their, their view of the world is different. Another thing I like to use is the, the five love languages. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely helped me out because, because I like to do things and show you, Hey, look, you know, I care for you, whatever. But my wife, she likes the words. So I have to make a conscious effort to give those words of affirmation. And yeah. it definitely helps to know what your partner's, you know, personality type is and love language. Of course. I remember taking the Myers-Briggs when I was in college, there was all kinds of psychology classes I had to take and I forgot all about it. And I started dating my wife and it was early in our relationship. She's like, Hey, do you mind taking this, this quiz? I was like, okay. And so I'll go through there and it took me a while to, to finish it and I score it and everything. And finally get the results and I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's me. And then I asked her, I said, well, what's your personality type? And she's like, I don't know. I ain't done it yet. Because <laughs> she, she was given to her by her counselor or her therapist. So I was kind of like the guinea pig. <laughs> and then I, then I said, I can definitely use this in my classes. And I've been using it for several years. And most people get kind of a kick out of it if they've never done something like that. And because if you're an ISTJ, you just Google that and there's, 10,000 websites. Um, but what I, I tell our people is that if you get into a new relationship, print off your results, hand it to them, go, Hey, this is, this is how I view the world. Yeah. If the results are accurate. And when my, my wife read my results and she's like, yeah, this is, this is definitely you. Mm -hmm. I, I loved one, one of the summaries. It says, it says, uh, may come across as robotic oh, and uh, emotional. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. Guilty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah Those are the cheat said, codes. Mm -hmm. Was yeah, that was different? Like, was that different when you were younger, do you think? 
Oh yeah, yeah. When I, when I was younger, it is a very very short fuse. My father, he's he's calmed down in his old age, but he used to be pretty pretty riled up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's who I had to learn from, and that I thought that was the the proper response to right. not getting your way. And I found out real quickly, hey, this don't work. Mm-hmm. Lashing out, getting angry, and no matter how many times I've hurt myself with inanimate objects, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, like, well, you break something, then you're like, okay, well, now I got to fix that. That's this ain't fun. Or put a dent in your car or something. Yeah. Or used to do a lot of mechanic work and you end up making things worse because you get angry and you're banging on stuff. Yeah. Finally, one day I was like, this, this ain't working. Like I said, I do have a choice. And uh, being angry all the time is just nobody wants to hang out with you, yeah. wants to be around you. And it just kind of, Let's let's try a different path and try to be able to manage the anger. It doesn't go away. It's about management, and uh, we'll try that route. I'm glad you found the route you're on, my friend. I still get angry from time to time. <laughs> of not, course. Not... No, no, same. I I remember I used to. I was very very angry when I was a child, like a teenager. But I think a lot of it for me was I wanted attention. I had a habit of just walking away like sulking and walking away hoping somebody would come save me that was just that was my response is like well i need love what do i do to get love i run away and then people feel bad so but i remember i used to i used to find cd cases back when cd's were common they're far less common today and i would just hammer those things cuz they always made my fist bleed and something about that was like ooh this is nice i enjoy this so i i remember i had many many angry spurts in my my teen years for sure yeah i was working with a guy not too long ago and he decided it would be a good idea to punch a mirror Mm. he was in construction so that decision just totally he's i gotta find something else to do because i can't do construction when i can't use my hand and it's amazing how just that little that little outburst of, of anger just totally changed his entire life. Because we don't think about the consequences when we're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. We just think, hey, this is going to make me feel better. Or I'm trying to intimidate somebody. So I'm trying to break something. 99.99% of the time, that inanimate object always wins. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> when when I, was, uh, I was a senior in high school, and my buddy and I were drinking heavily that night and for some reason again attention i was looking for attention i was looking for significance i hit myself in the hand with a knife and he had very sharp knives and i cut the the tendon on i don't know if you can see it you might not be able to see it but it's that oh, yeah. yeah yeah it's that scar right there i cut the tendon on my inside my hand 90 percent of the way through and that was the end of my baseball career and I was a captain of the baseball team. We were supposed to win the championship that year. I messed up a lot of things. I was in a cast for, I don't know, six weeks. But yeah, it was one of those things of you wake up the next day and it's like, oh my God, why did I do that? Why did I make such a large mistake in one second that now is affecting the next X amount of months, days, years, whatever? So I very much, the, the inanimate objects have never lost. Ever, in my experience, so I understand. The whole Dr. Siegel operating with your lid flipped. If you're under the influence, if you're angry, you're operating now that primitive part of the brain. 
common sense goes out the window. And then you do wake up and going, what in the world did I do? Why did I do that? Who is this person laying next to me? We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah <for laughs> Because sure. we're operating with our, our lid flips and under the influence of alcohol and drugs, or we're just angry, upset. I've read that when you're operating in that mindset, that primitive part of the brain, you got the cognitive ability of a small child. You do childish things. You say things that you later regret. And I'm sure you've been in the same boat where as soon as the words leave your mouth, yep. as if they're floating through the air, you just want to reach out, grab them, and, and put them in your pocket. Yep. But once those words are out there, it's it's usually not good. Yeah. And you know you're wrong as soon as they leave your mouth, and then you spend half the night trying to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have many, to repair. many experiences of that. I try something now called, I call it pinball, where it's like, don't say, don't ever say the first thing that comes to mind ever. Don't ever say the first thing that comes to mind. Let it bounce around a little bit. Knock off some of the dust, knock off some of the negativity, knock off some of the reactivity and just see what comes out. Now, again, it's not easy. And when you're heated, it's even harder. But just that the consciousness for me has helped a lot because think about it this way. And this is a really good example. Family Feud. I don't know if you've ever watched Family Feud, mm -hmm. but anytime they say, okay, Whoever slaps the buzzer first has to answer. The answers are always pretty bad when you think about it because it's the first thing that's on your mind. It's probably not the most valuable thing to say. I'm sure sometimes it is, but yeah, that's, that's a practice that I've tried to consistently have in the repertoire. But again, it's not easy. It's a, it's a training wheel. It's a tool, but the tool is only as good as the person using it. Yeah, it goes back to the whole uh, responding versus reacting and a lot of us, we just react to what people yeah. say or do. We don't respond. And my wife, she kind of gets on to me because I'm not responding quick enough. Mm. I'm like, I'm thinking. And I might not respond as quick as you or, uh, hey, I'm I'm just one of those guys where I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about 15 different ways to fix it, 15 different ways to go about completing whatever task or, or whatever's going on. That's just the way I'm wired. Uh, try to find solutions, yeah, that sort of thing. So my response time is a little bit slower than hers. <laughs> but yeah, if you try to have a conversation with somebody and they have that mentality, they're like, all right, hurry up, hurry up. All right. I'm trying to keep the conversation going, but do you want to react or do you want to respond? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a different world. It's a different world depending on what you choose. Oh, yeah. Entirely. Well, I mean, it's been a great conversation. I don't. I know you got a, a phone call coming up. Um, I'm gonna let you get ready for that. I've definitely learned a lot. Um, I'm sure uh, my audience will. Please check out Kevin Allen. Yeah, Allen's the cause. Yep. Yeah. Check them out. The Next Level University podcast. Uh, again, you find that at nextleveluniverse.com. It's a really good website. A lot of lot of stuff on there. It's a bunch um, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, bunch of I mean, we have free courses and paid courses and all that. Yeah. So definitely check them out. And thanks for coming on, Kevin. Hopefully we can stay in touch. I'd love to. All I appreciate right. you having me on, James, very much. All right. That was our interview with Kevin Palmieri. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please follow us Twitter anger 
underscore LLC. That's where I typically post updates on the new episodes. Also, follow the podcast on whichever service that you use. We post it through Spotify. All right. And if you have any podcast ideas or questions or possibly a guest that you think would help our audience, then please email me. The easiest way, just go to our website, freedomanger.com. And as always, until next time, stay safe. Thank you.